0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service on RF, Internet Streaming and Text at wia.org.au.
1: It's Graham VK4BB. This is the WIA National News Service we're commencing January 31, 2016, and Australian balloon again crosses the equator, whilst another crash lands in the mallee. The antics of Pico's solar-powered high-altitude balloon PS58 had many USA and Canadian radio somewhat surprised as it floated in the Northern Hemisphere. Launched by Andy VK3YT from Melbourne December 29, it entered El Salvador, went over Honduras, across the Caribbean to Jamaica... Haiti, and out to the North Atlantic. The flight looped back again to near South America, then did a sharp bend to go east again towards Africa. Meantime, balloon PS-57 launched December 12, went across the Pacific, then into the Northern Hemisphere, through South America's Peru, Colombia, and Venezuela, dipped back again over the equator to loop out over the Indian Ocean. However, after four weeks went down midway between South Africa and Australia, tracked all the way by Mal VK6MT. VI9 ANZAC will be activated on HF and visitors are most welcome to operate this, the final Australian call sign area in the WIA ANZAC 100 program. Those going to Norfolk Island for the Wireless Institute of Australia's annual general meeting and activities may use a VK call sign portable VK9 Norfolk, although I am sure a number will take out VK9 call signs and ACMA licences but where to for AGM 17? The WIA board has a draft proposal before it that the WIA annual general meeting in 2017 be held in South Australia. Discussions about the program for 2017 are now taking place. A proposed venue and town are likely to be determined and revealed at the AGM in May 2016. The Australian Communications and Media Authority wants to renew its sunsetting legislative instrument that allows those qualified through an overseas administration to obtain an equivalent licence in Australia. This, however, does not affect short-term visiting radio amateurs who may automatically use their valid home call sign prefixed with the VK call area in which they are located. That provision, Follows WIA Advocacy, is available for 90 days, which can be suitable for those on a business trip or holiday. The ACMA has consulted on its Radio Communications, Qualified Operators Determination 2016, to replace its 2005 predecessor on April 1 this year. The ACMA, in a discussion paper, considers that the system has operated effectively and efficiently and is worth renewal. The ACMA says individuals may have existing qualifications obtained overseas and these will continue to be addressed but by eliminating any consistency that may have developed. The WIA has submitted to the ACMA that it supports renewal of the system. The WIA stressed that the qualification held and not licence conditions must always be the basis of any determination of equivalency of qualifications gained from an overseas administration. The WIA has suggested changes to the ACMA and supports the remake of the determination incorporating the proposed changes, in particular, the equivalency of the US technician grade licence. In its submission, the WIA also flags the need to review the Philippines Class C, the novice licence grade, which is more aligned to the Australian standard grade. In hams across Australia in VK3, Feb 6, it's coming up, Melbourne QRP by the Bay, starting 3pm more later in this newscast. And do you want to grow amateur radio? Then please steer someone suitable to a local class. One such opportunity in Melbourne is the Foundation Licence Quality Training run by Amateur Radio Victoria at 40G Victory Boulevard Ashburton, and the next Foundation Licence Training Sessions and Assessments will be on the weekend of February 13-14. To also help foundation licensees upgrade, there is a standard license bridging course held on six Wednesday evenings starting this February 3rd and ends with revision and assessments on the weekend of March 12, 13. To enrol in either the foundation license or the bridging course, contact Barry Robinson. His email address, vk3pv at amateurradio.com.au. VK4 and Boot Sale, Caboolture Radio Club, Feb 13 at 7.30am, 169 Smiths Road, Caboolture from around 7.30. And Rick, VK4LW, will have more in Q News this week. VK5, Australia Day and the Southern Hemisphere Space Studies Program, the SHSSP, Stratospheric Balloon Project, a success. Payload recovered. AREG
2: thanks HAMS who monitored and tracked. Here's VK5BB. The Australia Day launch. From the Mount Barker High School, just east of Adelaide in the Adelaide Hills, was an almost textbook launch. The SHSSP participants designed and built their own payload, which contained a near-infrared and visible light cameras with an experimental UniSA ITR telemetry downlink on the two-meter band. The A rig also had a primary and secondary telemetry payloads, which were tracked, received and data uploaded to the Habitat mapping system by many amateurs, both locally in VK5 and VK3, enabling many people to track the balloon flight live on the internet. The balloon was launched heading east of Manum, and ascending to an altitude of 36,300 metres before it burst. It descended into dense mallee scrub approximately 25 kilometres east of Pernong, for a flight duration of 2 hours and 56 minutes. The recovery teams had three kilometres of rough 4 drive tracks and paddocks to negotiate and a further two-kilometre round-trip hike through the thick Mallee using classic direction-finding techniques to navigate to the payload and back to their vehicles. The recovery was successful and no significant damage was experienced by the payload equipment. The SHSSP event organisers were thankful to the AREG for their contribution to the success of their stratospheric balloon launch project. Special event SWL cell cards are being designed and will be issued to the participants. Please contact the AREG directly if you decoded telemetry but did not have the facilities to upload to the internet. More detailed information on this stratospheric balloon launch project may be found on the AREG webpages at areg.org.au. I'm Ben, VK5BB for the Amateur Radio Experimenters Group.
3: International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB. SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, AWRL Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. How to build a low-tech internet? Wireless internet access is on the rise in both modern consumer societies and the developing world. In rich countries, however, the focus is on always-on connectivity and ever-higher access speeds. In poor countries, on the other hand, connectivity is achieved through much more low-tech, often asynchronous networks. While the high-tech approach pushes the costs and energy use of the internet higher and higher, the low-tech alternatives result in much cheaper and very energy-efficient networks that combine well with renewable power production and are resistant to disruptions. If we want the internet to keep working in circumstances where access to energy is more limited, we can learn important lessons from alternative network technologies. This is demonstrated by several community networks in Europe, of which the largest has more than 35,000 users already. Ham Radio Tower Dispute a USA federally licensed amateur radio operator says he plans to sue the city for harassment in regards to a radio tower he was forced to remove. The Bideford Courier reports, Carl Reed said the city violated his First Amendment rights and failed to give him due process when it threatened to fine his landlord $2,500 a day if the tower was not removed. Reed, Kilo Bravo, 1 November Zulu, Quebec, claims that federally licensed amateur radio operators are exempt from zoning ordinances as long as the towers used are less than 35 feet in height. Federal laws supersede these state and zoning rules, Reid said. World Radio TV Handbook updates. World Radio TV Handbook has already released a free-of-charge update for their B-15 international and clandestine target broadcast schedules. The file is in a PDF format and follows the same styling as the WRTH printed edition. We understand that there has been an issue with their donations button not working properly, but this has been rectified and you're now able to make a donation to World Radio TV Handbook, should you wish to do so. This is entirely voluntary, of course. ShmooCon 2016. Reverse Engineering Cheap Chinese Radio Firmware. Every once in a while, a piece of radio gear catches the attention of a prolific hardware guru and is reverse-engineered. A few years ago, it was the RTL-SDR, and since then, software-defined radios became the next big thing. Last weekend at Schmookon, Travis Goodspeed presented his reverse-engineering of the Terra MD380 digital handheld radio. He presented all the gory details that turn a $140 radio into the first hardware scanner for digital mobile radio. In digital mobile radio, audio is sent through either a public talk group or private contact. The radio is usually set to only one talk group, and so it's not really possible to listen in on other talk groups without changing settings. A patch 4 promiscuous mode, a mode that puts all talk groups through the speaker, is available. With the help of Delta Delta 4 Charlie Radio and Whiskey 7 Papa Charlie Hotel, the entire radio has been reverse-engineered with rewritten firmware that works with the original tools. The first attempts of scratch-built firmware built around free RTOS and the beginnings of a very active development community for a $140 radio. This is one of the most exciting radio hacks in recent memory. Before Travis presented this hack at the on Talks, Amazon, and the top vendor, had 18 in stock. Immediately after the talk, 20 minutes later, the same vendor had 14 in stock. Two hours later, the same vendor had only 4 in stock. If you're looking for the best hack of the con, this is the one. Jeremy Boot from the RSGB joins us now, and things could not have been more exciting for students at the Sandringham School in England earlier this month. During a week-long space festival being held at the school, the 11 through 19-year-olds learned about space and space travel, attended rocket workshops, heard from a spacecraft engineer's presentation, and even participated in an amateur radio build-a-thon.
4: But just when the students thought they'd heard it all, those talks about Mars and discussions about cosmonauts, they tuned to 145.8 MHz and heard something completely different. Operating with the callsign GB1SAN, they reached out and contacted GB1SS astronaut Tim Peake aboard the International Space Station. And that's when things truly couldn't get any more exciting. Jessica Lee, a Year 10 pupil, was the first student to talk to the astronaut during the QSO on the 8th of January. But it was a first for Jessica in another way. The Sandringham student is a newly qualified amateur, having just passed her foundation class exam before Christmas. Her call sign is M6LPJ. And so Jessica's classmates not only got the thrill of a chat in space, but in witnessing a launch. In this case, it was the launch of one of the UK's newest amateurs, Jessica Lee, and needless to say, she was flying high.
5: The first Iranian ham contest kicks off on February 1st and runs through February 11th, marking the 37th anniversary of the Iranian Islamic Revolution. The contest's goal is simple. Organizers want to encourage and increase new contacts with Iranian hams, and they're placing a special emphasis on DXing. Find the action on 40, 20, 15, and 10 meters in single sideband RTTY and CW modes. QSL cards and certificates will be available. For further information, send an email to epcontest.2016 at gmail.com.
6: These stories from the RSGB and Amateur Radio Newsline. I'm editor Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, and you're listening to VK1WIA.
0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service. On RF, internet streaming and text at
6: wia.org.au. Weird and wonderful. I'm John, VK2JPM. Well, it's been all over the news, a prototype light bulb produced by US Massachusetts Institute of Technology that may see a return of incandescent lighting for everyday use. We stress may, but let's start with some background. The first person to demonstrate an incandescent light bulb in public was inventor Joseph Swan. He did that in 1878. But it was Swan's rival, Thomas Edison, who patented the first commercially viable incandescent light bulb. He did that in 1880 after years of experimenting with filament designs that would last more than a few seconds. The first practical filament was made from carbonised cotton thread, and that lasted a whopping 13 hours. Well, it was enough to prove the point. Before long, they moved to carbonised bamboo, which lasted a 100 times longer. Remember, this is more than 130 years ago, when the alternative was gas mantles and candles. The thing is that incandescent light bulbs work by turning electricity into heat, and sometimes as little as 2 or 3% of the input energy ends up as light. That's why incandescent lamps have been on the way out, with many countries banning them in favour of the significantly more efficient compact fluorescent and LED globes, which deliver 15 and 20% efficiency, respectively. But just when you thought it was over for the humble filament, researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and Purdue University have produced an incandescent light bulb claimed to be more efficient than LEDs and electrically quieter as well. It's done by surrounding the filament with a special crystalline structure which bounces infrared energy and recycles the energy that's usually lost. MIT hopes the technology will see the rebirth of the glowing incandescent bulb. And while they've only hit the 6.6% efficiency now, they think the technology will allow incandescent globes to get to 40% efficient. That's double the efficiency of LEDs and 15 times what you get from an incandescent globe today. Even the experimental results are three times as good as incandescent lights have been doing. The big thing in favour of incandescent lighting is, well, the light. It's broad spectrum, it can be filtered to allow colour selection, and let's face it, it's pleasant on the eye. Against that, LEDs are very spiky in their spectrum, and compact fluorescent globes need start-up time. And they both feel clinical, compared to the good old light bulb. So, when can you buy one of these high-efficiency wonders? Well, not for a while. Although the MIT device shows that the concept is correct, there's a long way to go before they hit the shelves. In the meantime, don't forget that when cartoonists want to show that someone's had a great idea, they don't use a fluorescent tube or an LED. They draw a light bulb. And great ideas have a way of coming back. For Weird and Wonderful, I'm John, VK2JPM. News, talk and radio sport, here with VK1
7: WIA. Operational News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, 2016. WIA John Moyle Field Day, 19-20 March 2016. Harry Angel 80m Sprint, WIA, Provisional Day, Saturday 7th of May. 1010 International Summer Contest, August 6 and 7. Remembrance Oradi Contest, August 13-14. 36 Lara contest is on the last floor weekend in August August 27, 28 AMSAT SKN winners and changes for next year AMSAT Strait Key Night 2016 saw the following participants each receive at least one Best Fist nomination AA5PK WA5KBH WA8SME W3TMZ W4CVV W5PFG Special kudos to Glenn Miller, AA5PK, who received three. Since this was MSAT's 25th Annual SKN, it's a good time to consider changes. Straight Keys, however, have found a niche primarily with the Bodanga crowd. And MSAT's insistence on the use in Oscar SKN is probably holding down participation. So, in with the new. MSAT's CW Activity Day on Oscar. As with the old SKN, it'll be a fun event, not a contest and will run for 24 hours from January 1. All forms of CW will be welcome. Instead of Best Fist nominations, all participants will be encouraged to post soapbox comments to MSATBB. A further announcement will be posted in December 2016. Special event Stations, DX, Beacon, Peter and advice. We told you several weeks ago how after receiving about 6,500 QSL cards at the WA Inwards QSL Bureau, just after the Christmas New Year closed down, sorting and distribution had begun. Well, it still continues. Several thousand cards have been sent to the state and territory QSL managers. The remaining will be sorted over the next two weeks. There are a lot of call signs receiving QSL cards that are new ones for the Bureau. You must register with your state or territory QSL manager to receive cards, hence the addresses shown in the text edition, or get them via a distribution point, usually a local club. How to be registered is on the WIA website. Luxembourg Hams on Royalty. A special call sign, this one in Luxembourg, is being activated through June to mark the 95th anniversary of His Royal Highness the Grand Duke, June of Luxembourg. Some members of the Luxembourg Amateur Radio Unit will be working as LX1AM on single sideband and as LX1EA and LX3X in digital modes. There is a special QSL card that will be sent via the Bureau. Finally, from Ingham and VK4FUQ to Media Watch, an amateur radio magazine, kicks off the year with plenty of interesting material.
8: The combined January-February edition of Amateur Radio has several stories covering the last hurrah of the WIA Anzac 100 program. On its cover, Roger Harrison VK2 ZRH with his 10 GHz dish as VK100 Anzac on Mount Ainslie, Canberra. For the opening address given on HF by WIA President Phil Waite, VK2 ASD, which appears in full. Also on the theme are articles and pictures on VI-3 Anzac and VI-8 Anzac. The WIA historian Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, looks at secret wireless war and how radio amateurs listened and reported enemy spy transmissions in England. The article also refers to a similar type of activities by radio amateurs in Australia. There's a World Radio Communications Conference report, the first of two-part series on ballooning and amateur radio, the Sun SDR2PRO direct digital sampling QRP transceiver from Andrew Barron, ZL3DW, and activating Mount McKay in snow by Keith Gooley, vk OQ. The WIA President Phil makes some very interesting observations and reflects on the election process of directors to the WIA board. Amateur Radio Magazine, the journal of the Wireless Institute of Australia. I'm Barry Robinson, VK3 Papa Victor, and you're listening to VK1 WIA. From Australia, this is VK1
0: WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
5: Hi, I'm Brian, VK3GR, with Worldwide Special Interest Groups, this week starting at ATV and Homebrewers set up for ATV Guru Talk. With experience gained by more than four decades in the amateur television scene, Peter Cousins, VK3BFG, will address the first meeting for 2016 of the Home Brewers Construction Group. A little-known fact is that Peter, VK3BFG, as a young man, was bitten by the ATV bug at a meeting of the old VK3 VHF group. Since then, he saw the VK3 RTV repeater turned on to give more scope to the previously line-of-sight ATV gang, back in the days when the Slash-T addition to call signs had to be applied for, and logbooks were the norm. A lot has happened since, with colour television and now digital transmissions. An interesting talk is promised at the Homebrew Constructors Group Meeting, February 6 at 2pm, 40G Victory Boulevard, Ashburton, and all are welcome. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, CW, LIDS, the Less Involved Data Society. LIDS CW is a loose group of radio amateurs whose aim it is to promote the use of morse and foster the environment that's supportive and encouraging as well as light-hearted. The group is free to join and members use Twitter to chat about ham radio, not just CW, and aim to involve hams from around the world. The group will support you with slow Morse skeds and offer regular and on-air practice sessions to get you up to the speed that you want to go to. Now, worldwide special interest groups, Defence. TARC does the 2016 Defence Welcome and Information Expo. The Tark Inc. will be involved with the 2016 Defence Welcome and Information Expo run by the Townsville Office of Defence Community Organisation, North Queensland, and happening on Saturday the 6th of February at RSL Stadium Murray Complex from 10 till 1 p.m. Now across to the final frontier, Australian Telebridge in Arras, Nepal link up. The well-equipped ground station of Tony Hutchison VK5ZAI enables students in Nepal to chat with astronaut Tim Peake, KG-5BVI, from England, as he signed NA-1SS on board the International Space Station. Tony VK-5ZAI said the ARIS program that brings together orbiting astronauts and students had a link-up on January 21st with the Brasparti-Vaterosan High School, and students there were asked about life in space, the developments and the tools used by astronauts and, of course, bodily functions like sneezing and exercising. Astronaut Tim Peake, who has been in space for five weeks, in answer to one of the questions about how he became an astronaut, referred to his own experience. Here, let's have a listen to Tim as he answers that question.
1: Uh, that's a great question. Well, listen, guys, I just think that you need to follow your dreams. You need to try and find out what it is that you're passionate about, what do you enjoy in life. I choose that as your path. Um, if it is, you know, working in the space sector or even becoming an astronaut, then those things can happen to you later in life. But when you're young, it's really a case of finding out what do you enjoy, what you're passionate about, follow your dreams, anything can happen. You could be an astronaut from any career, be it from an engineer, a scientist, a doctor, a teacher, uh, or a pilot like myself. So the most important thing is to, to find out what you want to do first in life, and then later in life you can become an astronaut if you so wish.
5: The school had run a week-long program and exhibition on space travel and technology that included amateur radio. Pravind Joshi, 9N1KK, was amongst those who helped prepare the students who had a large audience of about 300. This included the British ambassador to Nepal, the cultural affairs officer from the US Embassy, 10 youngsters from other schools, and a considerable number of media. Now to two groups with different takes on our hobby – in a moment, radio amateur old-timers, but first, radio amateur young-timers. Carol Perry is an advocate for teaching students about the benefits of amateur radio. The American retired middle school teacher is expanding her US-based efforts globally. Carol spoke in 2014 at the world's second largest amateur radio convention in Germany. She described how she taught amateur radio for 30 years in middle schools in New York and how others could use similar curriculum to recruit amateur radio operators. She and her counterpart in Germany set up an exchange program where for one year, three young ham operators received technical magazines from each country. US kids were getting the German version of CQ magazine, and German kids received US CQ and QSD. Hello everyone, the Radio
9: Amateurs Old Timers Club of Australia is back. With our first bulletin for this year going to air tomorrow, Monday the 1st of February. This is Clive, VK6 CSW. As well as all the usual club news, tomorrow we feature items on the new wonder material, graphene, which looks set to revolutionize technology, especially the electronics industry. We also look at Samsung's claim to have improved mobile battery life by 80%. Now, there are several ways to hear the RAOTC bulletin. The main HF transmission starts at 0100 UTC on 20 metres on 14.150 MHz upper sideband, beamed north from Melbourne for eastern states' listeners. An hour later, at 0200 UTC, Chris VK6JI will be transmitting on 40 metres on 7088 kHz lower sideband, simultaneously with the VK6 linked repeaters. Also throughout the day, there are several local VHF and HF transmissions. For details for your area, please visit the RAOTC website at www.raotc.org.au. If these times are unsuitable, as from Tuesday, you can download this bulletin and many previous ones from the RAOTC website. Once again, the February RAOTC Bulletin is scheduled for tomorrow, Monday, February the 1st. 7-3 from Clive,
5: VK6 CSW. And finally, to Rescue Radio. amateur Radio, who are you going to call? Well, Surrey Hams, of course. Those of our listeners and readers, particularly if you felt the recent earthquake that hit British Columbia, you may have pondered the aftermath of a large disaster. Technology as we know it would likely be rendered useless. The Now newspaper reports our phones no more useful than paperweights, our televisions and computers worthless without energy to power them. Well, enter amateur radio. The newspaper interviewed John Brody, VA7XB, who got his amateur radio licence at the age of 15. Whenever there's a disaster around the world, amateur radio operators are often involved, he explains. More good press on this great hobby of ours. That's all I have this week. I'm Brian, VK3GR, signing off. On the social scene to finish this edition of WIA
1: National News, Feb 6, Melbourne QRP by the bay starting at 3pm. Held at Victory Park at Chelsea, it's a gathering of QRPers and homebrewers. Bring and talk about your latest project and hear what others have been up to. Gather in the park near the Life Saving Club. If there's wind, maybe they'll even try some kite antennas. Feb 13 in VK3, it's Merck's Hamfest, 10 a.m. at Werribee Masonic Centre. Feb 13 in VK4, it's the Boot Sale at Caboolture. Feb 28 in VK2, Central Coast Field Day. And Feb 28 in VK3, EMDRC's Hamfest at the Great Ryrie Primary School, Heathmont. Till next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB, thanks for listening and walk softly.
0: From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service.